Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Well, thank you, thank you. Take your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Your Bibles or your digital device. I want to start a new sermon series today entitled, So What You Sow Will Grow. Have you ever found yourself in a situation and wondered how you got there? Sometimes it's a good situation, sometimes it's a bad situation, and you wondered, how in the world did I get here? Sometimes you find yourself in a mess, and you say, how did I get in a mess? Or you even find yourself blessed, and you wonder, how did I get so blessed? There is a Bible principle at play that cannot be ignored, that cannot be denied, that has to happen in your life and in my life, and so oftentimes we miss it. So that's why I want to do this series entitled, So. And today what I want to do is preach kind of the overarching introductory sermon that will kind of set the tone for everything else we're going to do. I want to preach this today, what you sow will grow. How many of you have heard the word karma? Let me see your hand. You heard the word karma? All right. So uh, Pew Research did the study, and if you look at this chart, this is their chart. Uh, 65% of Americans believe in karma, either very strongly or somewhat strongly. But where do we get the concept of karma? Karma is a, is a primarily Hindu or Buddhist belief. And just to kind of get us oriented, here's a, a lengthy definition of karma, but I want you to see it. Here, here's what it says. Karma is a concept of Hinduism which explains causality through a system where beneficial effects are derived from past beneficial actions and harmful effects from past harmful actions, creating a system of actions and reactions throughout a soul's reincarnated lives, forming a cycle of rebirth. The causality is said to be applicable not only to the material world, but also to our thoughts, words, and actions and actions that others do under our instruction. One of their own philosophers said about 800 BC, a Buddhist philosopher said this, you are what your deep driving desire is. And as your desire is, so is your will. And as your will is, so is your karma. And as your deed, so is your, or your karma, so is your destiny. So here's what they believe. They believe that as you do good now or you do bad now, you set in cycle a motion of events that when you die, they believe the soul's eternal and the body and life are temporary, that when you die, you come back to life and the life you're living today is good or bad based on the karma, the deeds you did in your previous life and then whatever you do in this life with what you did in the last life will determine what you'll do in the next life and there is a fine Greek word for all of that is called hogwash. <laughs> and the concept of karma is this never-ending loop of what you have done will affect where you are. People actually believe in karma. Christians believe in karma. It's just not true. But can I tell you this? It's, it's close, but not quite. The Bible doesn't teach karma. The Bible doesn't teach reincarnation. It doesn't even teach karma the way it's laid out. But here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible does teach grace. What is grace? It's me getting what I don't deserve. It's good that comes my way. If you are a Christian today, it's called heaven, and you get heaven not because of the good you deserve. You get it because of grace. The Bible teaches mercy. What is mercy? It's the me not getting the bad I do deserve. 
And if you're a Christian today, you're not going to hell. And the reason you're not going to hell is the mercy of God will prevent you from going to hell. So the Bible teaches grace. The Bible teaches uh, uh, mercy. And then the Bible teaches in this life the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. And here's what the Bible says. What you sow will grow. It'll grow in this life. Not the reincarnated life, but what you sow in this life will grow in this life. That is the good or that is the bad. So hear the statement. This statement will sum up almost the entire sermon and sermon series. And that is the reality is most of the time we are operating in a garden of our own planting. That you find yourself where you are, not by circumstance, not by happenstance, but by intention. You are operating in a garden of all your own planting. In this whole sermon series, we're going to figure out that we are where we are for a reason. And if we want to go somewhere else, there's a certain Bible principle you have to adhere to. And then look, in the sermon series, you're going to find out what's going wrong in your marriage, your family, your work, your relationships, your finances, your spiritual life. You're going to find out what's going right. Why sometimes it feels like you have the blessings of God and sometimes it feels like you do not. It's all bound up in this principle of sowing and reaping. So let's stand together as we honor God's word and let's read this uh, passage together beginning in Galatians chapter six, verse number seven. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you. You may be seated. What you sow will grow. The book of Galatians is a whole book that tells us that you don't have to earn your salvation, that God gives out salvation as a free gift. And so that kind of theology is corrected in the first part of Galatians, but he ends Galatians talking about work. He ends it talking about uh, what we do have to do. And he ends it talking about the work of sowing and reaping. Here's what Paul is telling us, that we are all farmers and that we are all growing a crop. He calls it sowing and reaping. Now, before I dive into the sermon, I want to, I want to deal with what I know would be the major objection to what I'm about to preach. And that is this. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Now we, we can point in the Bible where that's true. Like we can look at the book of Job and see Job did everything right. He still had bad things happening. We look at Jesus who lived a perfect life, but still died on the cross. But let, let me caution you. Those are the outliers. Those are not the those are not the principles. Those are not the standards. Those are the exceptions. And rarely do we find ourselves so righteous in our lives that the devil asks permission to tempt us. That's not the case. That's not the principle. More often than not, we are a victim of our own harvest. Somebody say four things Paul would tell us and God would tell us about sowing and reaping. Number one, you'll reap what you sow. Galatians 6, 7, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. It's going to come true. Whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows. The principle of the harvest, you need to know this. Get this. Whatever seed you're putting in the ground is the harvest you'll reap. Whatever seed you're putting in the ground is the harvest you reap. Whatever seed you're putting in the ground is the harvest you'll reap. Whatever a man sows. That means whatever you're putting in the ground is going to grow. Now, that's easy to understand when it comes to gardening, right? If you put a tomato seed in the ground, what is going to grow? 
Tell me, tomatoes. If you put a cucumber seed in the ground, cucumbers are gonna grow. If you put a moon pie seed in the ground, moon pies are going to grow. This is the way it works. We, we get it with the garden. Nobody, would, no farmer would ever go out and put tomato seeds in the ground and get on his knees and pray, Lord, I'm praying my crop of corn really grows great this year. Nobody would do that, we know. We miss the principles where we apply it to life because get this, here's where we are and we're gonna talk about it. We wanna reap what we do not sow and we don't wanna reap what we have sown. But Galatians 6, 8 says this, for he sows of the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he sows of the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. It tells me two things here I need to point out. Number one, it's so simple. What you sow will grow. What you sow will grow. That, that if you sow bad things, if you sow carnal things, if we sow non-good things, if we sow non-God things, if you're putting, putting terrible seed in the ground, you're going to reap a terrible crop. The word used there is the word corruption. Now the word corruption means what you think it means. It means deterioration, decay, death, disease, ruin. If you trace the history of that word back even farther though, the word uh, uh, corruption was the word used for a shipwreck. And so here's what Paul was saying, that when you sow a bad seed, you reap ruin. When you sow bad seed, you'll reap a shipwreck. When you sow bad things, you are sending your life towards a shipwreck. When you sow fleshly, non-good, non-carnal, non-spiritual things, you're sending your life towards a shipwreck. And here's what happened. You sow bad things in your marriage, you're gonna send your marriage to a shipwreck. You sow bad things in your family, you're gonna send your family to a shipwreck. You sow bad things in your finances, in your job, in your relationships, in your spiritual life, and I'm telling you, you are sending your life towards shipwreck because the seeds you put in the ground will grow. What you sow will grow. And I'm not even saying it's going to happen quickly overnight. It doesn't. It takes time to bear fruit. But what you put in the ground is the harvest that you will reap in your life. Now, the good news is it's not just on the negative. Whenever we've heard that sermon preached, it's almost always been with the negative and with reason, but the, the opposite is also true and even implied, I'll read it in a moment, that when the, you sow good things in your life, you have a good harvest that will grow. And that the reason you find your marriage blessed and the reason you find your finances blessed is because over years, you have planted the right seeds in the ground. And so you say, preacher, I want to improve my family life. I want to improve my spiritual life. Here's the deal. Plant good seeds. When you plant good seeds, your marriage gets better, your family gets better, your life gets better, your finances get better. A good harvest is away. What you sow will grow. And can I tell you, every day of your life, you are putting seeds in the ground. And it's always, always going to come to fruition. The second thing this tells us is this. Not only what you sow will grow, but number two, what you don't sow won't grow. Here's one of the things that gets left out, and I'm afraid it's where we get stuck so many times. We want things to grow in our life that have not been planted. We want the benefits of a well-sown life, but the seeds have never been put in the ground. Now I'll walk you through this. Let, let me go back. I'm going to talk about marriage several times, but let us talk about marriage, for example. We want to have a good marriage, right? However you define marriage. You want your husband or your wife to be happy when you come home. If that's you, raise your hand. You want them to be happy when they see you, right? Do you want your spouse to drive around the block three or four times trying to get the nerve to walk in the door? Is that what you want? No, no, you don't want that. You want you and your spouse to have something to talk about when you're at dinner by yourself. 
right? You don't want to argue. You want to get along. You want to love each other. You want to kiss each other goodnight. You, you want that when you hug your spouse, they hug you back and you feel the warmth and love and the emotional embrace of that. That's what you want, but here's the problem. We want that, but we're not planting that day by day in our lives. Like we, we complain about we don't have X kind of marriage, but we're not sowing the seeds that would give us that. We want good kids. And listen, I, I mean, if you, if, you, if, you, if you got young kids, please don't write a parenting book. Mine are grown, and I'm not writing a parenting book ever anytime soon. Kids are kind of their own thing. You do the best you can, hold on, and pray really hard with kids. That's about all you know to do. But you want to have good kids. And you say, well, define good kids. Well, define it, a good kid is more than a kid that doesn't get drunk or has a face tattoo. That's not what we're going for. We're going for kids that love God, love the church, and want to give their lives for them, right? But we're just not planting those seeds in their lives oftentimes. We want good finances. What do you mean? Well, we want to have money left over at the end of the paycheck. We want to be able to tithe. We want to be able to give to debt. We want to be able to go on vacation. We want to be able to not worry about where the next meal is coming from. We want that. But the problem is we're planting all the wrong seeds in our financial life. I mean, we can go on on and talk about relationships. We can talk about your walk with God. We all want to feel close to God. We want to walk with God. We want to feel God's presence in our lives. We want to know when we pray that God hears our prayers. The trouble is we're not planting those seeds in a day-by-day basis in our lives. We want a good work life. We want a good church life. I mean, it can go on and on and on. The problem is we want something to grow that hasn't been planted. And what you don't sow won't grow. And there's a proverb that speaks to this better than I could say it. Proverbs 20, verse 4, the slacker does not plow during planting season. And at harvest time, he looks and there is nothing. And can I tell you, that is exactly what's going on in our lives so many times. We want a great marriage, but we should have been planning five years ago. And now we're looking at our marriage and we're trying to reap a harvest that doesn't exist. Why? We didn't plan it. And you can take that through any area of your life where you want to see uh, success in. The reason we are not experiencing success is we never planted success for it. And the problem with the average person is that you want good things in life, but you haven't planted the seeds to reap that harvest. And if you want it to grow, it has to sow. It's the universal principle of sowing and reaping. If the seed is in the ground, that's what's going to grow. And if it's not in the ground, that's not going to grow. Second thing Paul tells us is this. It's your seed in your bag, Galatians 6, 8. For he's the sows to the flesh, will the flesh reap corruption. He sows the spirit, will the spirit reap life everlasting. If I tried to order a seed bag off Amazon. They didn't have what I wanted because what, what would have been a seed bag back in this day would have been something that looks like a messenger bag today, but it would have been round at the bottom on this side. It would have strapped over your shoulder, been filled with seed, and you'd walk through, and when you did broadcast sowing, planting wheat or whatever, you would, there, was a, there was a rhyme and a rhythm to it, but it was, it was broadcast sowing, putting a lot of seed out on the ground, and so I couldn't find the bag, but here's the imagery Paul is using. You've got a seed bag on one side, and you've got a seed bag on the other side, and on this side, you've got good things and, and prosperity. On this side, you've got bad things. And Paul said, you are choosing. It's your seed. It's your bag. Now I want you to hold on because I love you with all my heart. This is hard for me to hear. It's going to be hard for you to hear. This is called rough preaching, but I'm going to do it quietly. It's not how I say it. It's what I'm saying. And so everybody okay? Everybody take a deep breath. Everybody make sure you breathe right now. Okay. You're going to need it. You're going to need it because this is hard. Sometimes we develop a victim mentality. 
And I'll just use, I'll go back to marriage. It's the easy thing for me to use this morning. I, I've seen people who married the wrong person who I said to them, I don't, I don't think you ought to marry them. I don't think that's a good choice. I don't think you're, they married the wrong person. They married the wrong person and then they didn't do what a marriage ought to do and they ignored God and never, never saw them in church, never ta- saw them trying to do right. And then they come to me later and they, they have this victim mentality and they're like this. Well, preacher, I don't know why I have such bad luck with relationships. You don't have bad luck in your relationships. You are standing in the crop of your own planting right now. Let me tell you, in the garden of life, you, whatever you plant in it is what you are going to get. And you're carrying around two seed bags and it's your choice. You choose what you will plant and you are planting one of two things. Paul said there's only two. You are planting poison a garden of toxin that will bring a harvest of death or a shipwreck into your whole life or an area of your life or you're planting prosperity. And by prosperity, I'm not a name it, claim it preacher. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a garden that'll bring you joy and happiness later on in life and you're carrying both bags. And it's always your choice. And when you've planted, you find yourself standing in a garden of toxins, please hear me, you plant it. The garden, it's your seed, it's your back. If you're a victim, chances are you're a victim of your own planning. Can I tell you this? And the reason this matters so much is if you never accept that responsibility, you'll always be a victim and it'll always be somebody else's fault when you need to quit blaming other people and start planting a garden in your life. I was a few years ago, we lived in Dalton at the time and and, and I was I was on a trip and I was coming back home and I was coming from north of Nashville and I called my wife and I said, hey honey, I'll be home in a little bit while I'm about to go through Nashville and I gotta make a phone call and then I'll, I'll be home in a couple of hours. And so I called her and, and uh, I told her that I hung up and then I, somebody, a church member left me a distressed voice message and I called them back and, I, and it was, they were just really upset. Something had happened in their life. They were in a mess in their life and some family and different things. And so this phone call just went on and on and on. It went on over an hour, an hour to two hours probably. It was probably two hour nearly phone call. Man, I, I, I prayed with them for a good long time on the phone and, and when I hung up the phone, as soon as I laid the phone in, in the cup holder in the car, I looked up and a sign said, welcome to Alabama. I weren't supposed to be in Alabama. <laughs> now I knew that if you get on I-24, you, know, you take that little dip down, but that's not where I was. I was like on flat ground going into Alabama and I just kept driving because my mind was not thinking correctly. And I was like, what, I don't, I, I'm confused. So stuff's not computing. And you know, back then on cell phones, my cell phone, you know, was like a, remember the Seiko, you know, with the gray screen. I mean, it's, it's, it wasn't an iPhone uh, back then. And so it was just old phone. And so I'm, 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 I'm confused. And then I see a sign that says, welcome to Athens, Alabama. Or as I like to call it, three hours from home. <laughs> I call my wife. I said, you're not going to believe this. This stupid car drove me to Alabama. (laughs) Stupid car. I said, you're not gonna believe this. The highway I was on somehow got me off course and dumped me out. Now, you're not gonna believe this, honey. I was abducted by aliens and the weirdest place they could find to drop me off was in Alabama. I drove my car, me, with my foot on the gas, my hands on the... I drove my car to the exact spot it was in. And I could blame it on the road and the car and the GPS or whatever. I 
drove it to the exact spot it was in. Can I tell you, some of you, the spot you find yourself in life, you drove the car there. Good or bad? Good or bad? Good or bad? Lose the victim mentality because it's your seed in your back. And Paul said, you are reaping what you are sowing and it is your choice on what seed you're going to plant. And you drove your car to the right spot or you are standing in the crop of your own planting. Third thing, and I'm gonna hit this one quickly. Number three is this. When the sowing stops, the harvest dries up. Here's what Paul said in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, while planting good seed. What does that mean? Paul was saying some, some, you had to be careful that when you plant, you don't get tired of planting. You say, how long did I have to do all this planting stuff? Every day of your life. And here's, let me go back to marriage. I'll, I'll preach a whole sermon on marriage later on, but let me go back to marriage. And here's what happens in your marriage. You've been married 20 years and, and, and you kind of got it in a flow. And you, you, know, you were a good boyfriend and you were a good girlfriend and you were good in the early years. And now you've been coasting for a while. And you're, you won't say this out loud, but your mentality is kind of like, well, I mean, I, I told her I loved her when I married. Nothing's changed. I don't have to tell her every night. And, and you know, you, now you just kind of turned in, you know, you're like, preacher, I don't want to have to do all that stuff I did when we first got married. Like, take a bath or anything like that. You know, I don't, I don't have to do all that stuff. And, and I mean, I got her now, right? I got her. And we quit planting thinking that the harvest is permanent and it's not. The harvest is not permanent. You know what I see as a pastor? I see people who've been married 15, 20, and 25 years when they should have it all figured out who are suddenly separating and getting divorced. Why, why? Because when the sowing stops, the harvest dries up. And that's just the law of the harvest. So what does that mean? It means you always need to be planting seeds of goodness, seeds of prosperity. So you always have a harvest on the horizon. The fourth thing I want to tell you, and I'm done. As Paul said, you plant now, you reap later. You plant now. You reap later. Look what he says in in verse number uh, nine. In due season or later on down the line or at the appropriate time. Can, Can I tell you this? That the principle of sowing and reaping is not a quick fix. You plant now, you reap later. You sow now, you reap later. You sow now and you'll reap in due season. Get this. For most things in life, there's not a quick fix. There's a garden to plant. Uh, it's happened. It's happened. Let me just talk about marriage, and I'm, I'm done talking about marriage. But you go back to marriage, and, and I have a, some guy or gal come into my office, and they're like, Preacher, I need, we need your help, man. Our marriage is falling apart. Uh, he or she moved out yesterday, and our life's falling apart. And, Preacher, just tell me, what can I do to get it fixed tomorrow? And here, here's what you think you, you think that, that us preachers, we're holding on to a magic Bible verse that you don't know. And look, that we have a magic wand. I have a magic wand this morning. It's in my Apple pencil. But you think, you think we got a magic wand and we're going to flip open this Bible verse and we're going to go abracadabra, shalom, amen. Your marriage is fixed. Done. Lord, I didn't mean to drop the Bible there. It just felt like the right thing to do at the time. Uh, I mean, what you think, you think, can I tell you something? You didn't, your marriage didn't 
get in that shape in 24 hours and it's not going to get out of that shape in 24 hours. There's not a quick fix. There's a garden to plant. You'll reap it in a while. And that, we get it in so many areas of life. Like, we get it, right? We get it. Like if you want to go on a diet. Like, I, don't, I don't tell my wife, hey, baby, from six to seven tonight, um, I'm going to drop 20 pounds. Six to seven. So don't cook anything bad. I'm going to diet from six to seven. And then from seven to eight, I'm going to lift weights because I want biceps like Denny's got biceps. And so I'm going to lift weights from seven to eight. So should we go buy more clothes now or should we wait till tomorrow? They'll be baggy on me and my shirts will be tight. You... We know that doesn't work. We know it doesn't work in trying to lose. You know that. You, you know, this, you know, body by cheese it right here. It didn't take me overnight to get here. It took me a long time. There are a lot of fudge rounds and moon pies invested in this look. I'm not going to fix it overnight. It's a garden to plant. But yet when it comes to things like our walk with God and our family and our relationships and our finances, we want a quick fix. Preacher, get out the magic wand and give me that magic Bible verse that nobody knows but preachers and fix it. Here's the magic Bible verse. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. You don't need a quick fix. You need to plant a garden. And if you plant it now, you'll reap it in a little while. Plant now, reap later. Plant now. Reap later. You say, well, what do I do now? Right now, my finances are a mess. Right now, my family's a mess. Right now, my spiritual life is a mess. Right now, my personal life is a mess. Right now, everything's, what I do, just start planting the garden now. You're not going to see instant results. You're not going to see overnight results. You're not going to have a boom of a harvest overnight. But if you don't plant it now, it's never going to happen. What does the old saying go? When was the best time to plant a tree? Ten years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Today. You say, well, I don't have a good harvest on the horizon. Then you start throwing as many good seeds in the ground wherever you need to throw them in the ground so that you have that good harvest on the horizon. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. I want to show you this picture. This is a... Uh, Actual garden. It's called the Onwick, if I'm saying it correctly, the Onwick Garden in northern England. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most visited tourist attractions in England, and specifically northern England. And it's an unusual garden. It is called the Poison Garden. And behind that iron gate, which surrounds the whole garden, are over a hundred infamous killer plants. In 1995, Jane Percy became the Duchess of of Northumberland. She was never supposed to be the Duchess, but her brother's husband unexpectedly, her brother's husband, her brother's, her husband's brother, that's another sermon, uh, her husband's brother, and as we leave this morning, um, come back, come back, her husband's brother unexpectedly died. 
Her husband became the duke, she became the duchess. And so one of her responsibilities was to plant the garden that would be like a beautiful garden. And right, right when she took it, it had mainly Christmas trees in it. And so she traveled the world, I think it was 1995, she traveled the world looking at beautiful gardens and decided they were all kind of similar and she wanted to do something different. I don't know why she wanted to do something different, she did. And so she went out and she got with all these people and she planted a garden of poison. If you even recognize this, this Harry Potter, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie, they were filmed in this, at this castle. And so today you can go walk through the garden of poison, but they say you cannot smell, touch, or taste anything in the garden. Smell, touch, or taste. That much of the stuff that's in the garden is lethal, immediately lethal. Last year they had to call, get medical attention for seven different people who didn't smell, touch, or taste anything, but the fumes from the poisonous plants overcame them as they were just walking through and they had to get medical attention. And I know, I know you're saying to yourself, because I said it to myself, why would somebody plant a garden of poison? But hold on. Ask yourself that question. Why, why have I been planting a garden of poison in my life? Why have I been planting a garden of ruin in my life? Why have I been planting a garden of shipwreck in my life? You say, preacher, what do I do to get out of this mess? It's simple. Plant a new garden. Start today and plant a new garden in your marriage and plant a new garden in your family and plant a new garden in your finances and in your relationships and in your job and your spiritual life. And on and on you go. Plant a new garden because you're standing in a garden of toxins and you put yourself in. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, that's the most important thing. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, here's the deal. You say, does this principle apply to me? It sure does, but here's the deal. You've already planted the big garden. That is a garden of death because if you don't trust Jesus as your savior, you are doomed to spend an eternity in a place called hell far from God and it never ends and there's no escape. So none of the other stuff matters. But you can correct that today if God would speak in your heart and you'd like to become a Christian and like to take that step of faith. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You can pray this prayer with me. It's not the words you say, but the intent of your hearts to trust Jesus as your Savior. You can pray this prayer. Say something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I can't save myself, but I know that Christ died on the cross and rose again so I could be saved. And so just now, I invite Christ into my life to save me, to forgive me of my sin, and to give me a home in heaven. If you prayed that prayer, and your intent was to trust Jesus and become a Christian, that just happened. Here's what I want you to do. That connection card you filled out, there's a box to check. I prayed to receive Jesus or our staff's down here. And check that box or just come tell our staff member, hey, I prayed to receive Jesus. What's next? What's next? And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.